welcome in to another episode of the Capital Crossover Podcast. It's just me today, Kyle Andrews. Of course, uh, you know, our boy Jack Skolnick, he's usually on. Jordan to share, he's usually on too, but running solo today, but not really because we got a we got a special guest in the building. You know, my boy Mike Patton. Mike is, you know, knowledgeable about you know, a, a litany of different sports. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, Mike will talk about it. Glad to have him on. Mike, how are you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? Doing well. Um, just, you know, give the audience a little bit about your background. I mean, you've done a, a lot of different things, too. Um, you, you got an interesting background when it comes to sports journalism. Definitely, definitely. I mean, let's see, I'm a freelance journalist. I've written on covering Tennessee State basketball. I've covered Tennessee State football. Let's see. Done a couple couple Super Bowls, and you know, definitely. Uh, let's see, I host a podcast as well, which it's on football. It's called Touring the AFC South. But I will tell you, I'm very, very knowledgeable about the game of basketball. Definitely. And that's that's the fun part, though, because I mean, that means you you have a you know well rounded background when it comes to all these different sports. Because you know, I, I tell people one thing that it's harder. It's harder to be well-rounded, but it's a it's a way more fun experience as a sports reporter if you aren't one-dimensional. And, you know, clearly, as we both know, you're not one-dimensional. I'm not one-dimensional. You know, I got Brian Waters. We had him on a pod a couple, couple weeks ago. He's definitely not one-dimensional. We we see all the stuff that he's doing. He, he's got wrestling on lock right now, but, you know, he, he was the one that taught me a lot of that stuff, too. But, um... You know, first things first, let's let's just break into these all-star selections. I mean, were there any guys that you felt felt like got snubbed? I mean, I it's it's really hard for me just to, you know, go into some of some of the snubs, but I mean, did you feel like anyone stood out to you in specifics? Uh yes, definitely. I mean, I, I'm still getting over the Tyrese Halliburton pick. Because I think there's two guys that couldn't have replaced him. Could have been Jalen Brunson uh, from the New York Knicks. I mean, give, let's give you the stats for Tyrese Bur- Halliburton. I'll, I'll give you that. 20.2 points per game on 48% shooting. And, of course, you know, he's got four rebounds, 10.2 assists. Okay, I get it. Solid, very, very good numbers. Jalen Brunson's averaging more points per game. I mean, he's he's not necessarily shooting better than he is but I mean it's right there at 47 percent and I mean honestly the Knicks are doing better than the uh the Knicks to be honest I think are doing better than the actual paces are so um that to me I I just think that what he's done on the big stage in New York has been better to me as as far as watching him play than uh than Tyrese Halliburton and another guy would say is Darius Garland uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, 21.8 points per game, which is more than Halliburton, of course, 8.1 assists, which is less. Uh, but, I mean, Cleveland is doing their thing. They're a top-five team in the East. You should have at least two All-Stars if you're a top-five team in the East, in my opinion. You should. That's I feel like that's a really, you know, respectable, um, you know, thing for – for teams that have, like, if you, if you have that many guys, uh, you know, up, I, I'll never forget that one year. You remember the Hawks, they had a bunch of guys that, 
<laughs> were having very good seasons, but it wasn't anything special, but they were number one in the East and they got rewarded for it. So that's one thing I think of. And, you know, a couple other guys, like I think about James Harden. Um, that's That goes without mentioning, I guess, with, uh, you know, his name. Jimmy Butler is another guy that came to mind. Um, you, you mentioned Garland. Garland was one of the other guys I, I talked about a lot of times. I know some people were making an argument for Aaron Gordon, too. Um, but with Aaron Gordon, it seems like that's more or less a, you know, his team is doing so well kind of thing. Right. Where, you know, he's standing out because, you know, the whole team's standing out. But, I mean, he's having a heck of a season so far. I, I can't can't knock him for that. Um, and then I did, when, I, like, I, oh, I did on. have one more though. I did have one more though. Just sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but um, you know, you, you know, I, I get the one about Jimmy, but Jimmy missed too many games, especially with his yeah. knee. And um, you know, I, I one guy I could say you could make a, a kind of you know, it's kind of a tit for tat one to me is a guy's having a career year in Kyle Kuzma. I mean, twenty one point eight points per game, his career high. You could make a, a a you could make a push for him if you wanted to That's and take game. out Demar Derozan, but you know it's kind of a you know both of them are at the bottom of the East right now, so really you could pick it's either either or to me because both of them are having good years, but both of them are at the bottom of the East. That's that's really interesting that you brought up Kuzma because I think that's the wrong wizard that I would have thrown up. There. <laughs> I I would have I would have thrown in Kristaps Porzingis actually. I think okay. Stops is having, you know, a bounce back season. You know, he's shooting 47% from the field, 22 points a game, 8.8 rebounds. And, you know, he's averaging two and a half assists. But not only is he doing that, but he's protecting the rim at a really high rate. And plus, his, plus minus is in a 95th percentile, too. Um, he's a guy that I just think he's had a very good season. He's He stood out. Um, way more than I expected him to. I mean, I mean, when the Wizards acquired him last season, I did not expect Kristaps Porzingis to be this steady and this, you know, he's more than solid. Like, he's one of the best rim protectors in the league right now. But, and not only that, but he's averaging more points a game than he was for his entire career right now. He's averaging 22. He sits at about 19 a game uh, for his career. And he's averaging more... Um, you know, re- total rebounds per game this season. He's averaging more total assists per game this season. And not to mention, he's just playing, you know, the minutes that he's actually dealt. I think that's that's the biggest thing with him. He has always been hurt. And, you know, I wondered if they, um, you know, will reward him with something, but maybe not this year, but we'll see in the future. I like I like the way Chris Ups has been playing. He's been, he's impressed me, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah, he's been solid. He's been solid. He's been solid. Uh, you know, I did have one more for you, though, if you want to go to the West. Oh, yeah. That would be uh, Mr. De'Aaron Fox. I, I don't understand mm-hmm. how he doesn't make the team. He has 24.3 points per game. He's shooting 50% from the field. I mean, 4.3 rebounds, 6.1 assists. I mean, they're third in the West. How do you only get one all-star and you're third in the West? How does that happen? Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Cause like he would have been De'Aaron Fox. I I love De'Aaron Fox, man. I've been a De'Aaron Fox truther since day one when people were comparing him to John Wall with the speed. 
And, you know, one thing that everybody said about him was just that, you know, is that jump shot ever going to develop? Is that, is this going to develop? Is that going to develop? And the thing is like, now he has the guys surrounding him that are, you know, going to make him a little bit more efficient, kind of take the ball out of his hands. And, you know, Sabonis has been great with him. And then you got Keegan Murray who, you know, his mentality seems very similar to like Tim Duncan, where he's just very cool, calm, collected, not going to really talk a lot of trash to you on the court. Uh, you know, just, he, he keeps a level head. I really like that team out there. And honestly, I mean, Mike Brown might be the coach of the year this season. I really think he's done a great job out there. He's, you know, one of those guys that I feel like we don't give enough credit to as, you know, people in the media, maybe, maybe not us per se, but like, you know, other media members on how good of a coach Mike Brown is. I feel like every place that he's been minus the Lakers, I mean, that we all know how hard that is. Um, you know, when he was with the Cavs, I mean, he elevated their game. And I mean, you could say LeBron did a great job too. But when I look at Mike Brown, you could clearly see that he's learned from every single stop that he's been at. And this King's job, I mean, he's taken them to a whole new level, especially with some of the knowledge that he kind of soaked them from the Warriors. And he's applying it to these guys who are a totally different bunch, but he's running some uh, similar things. And you know, it's working really well. And I really like the way De'Aaron Fox is playing. So I, I agree with that. I, I would have liked to see De'Aaron Fox in an all-star game too. Um, and just moving forward too, with that being said, we we dove into it a little bit about who's impressed us the most this season, just whether that be a player or a coach or, you know, just teams in general. Um, you know, who's impressed you the most out of those three categories? I mean, honestly, you do. I, I do want to throw one other guy you did for Sacramento, Red Velvet, man. Red Velvet is shooting that thing out there. Oh yeah, he's he's tough. I remember <laughs> when. So you know, we're back. I'm I'm from Maryland. Everybody on a pod knows that. But like listening, listening, and watching to his games at Maryland, I always felt like Kevin Herter had one more gear to him that I felt like you know when when. Uh, Mark Turgeon was Maryland's head coach. I felt like he didn't unlock that. But then when I when he got to the league, it seemed like every guy that got to the league that was a Turgeon coach guy, they they took that next step. And Kevin Herter was a perfect example of that. I mean, he just he's a he's shooting from everywhere, you know, and he was already good with the Hawks, but he took it to a whole new level with the with the Kings. And I mean, he's impressive. He's very impressive, so I agree with you on that one too. Finally, getting playing time, consistent playing time, and it's 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 showing wonders uh, that he's it's, it's it's actually doing wonders for his confidence one and and for his game that he's actually getting consistent minutes because he never he got consistent minutes in stretches with the Hawks, but it wasn't all the time because you had so many guys that played the wing for them. Yeah, and I mean it, this is one thing that he's really impressed me with too is just that. You know, he's doing it at – he's more efficient as well. Um, and he's hitting threes at a higher clip too. Like, he's hitting 40% from three. Um, and you, when you got a guy like that that is just a weapon, and they they have a ton of them on that team. But Kevin Herter is just not – he's not getting picked up by, you know, the second or third best defender on the team. And he's, he's getting wide open looks. And I feel like that's helped him out a lot. 
Whereas like with Trey Young, Trey Young's just sitting there dribbling the ball, you know, high mm-hmm. usage guy. Nothing wrong with Trey Young. I like Trey Young, but I also think that Trey Young can, you know, damage some of uh, you know, the opportunities for his other teammates, especially when ball's held in his hands too long. And then the other thing too is like, you know, they got Murray out there, so they had to move, you know, off of Kevin Herter. And I think that had Kevin Herter stayed, um, that would have been a disastrous thing for him. Uh, not not necessarily for everybody else. Like, I think Murray and, and Young would have still got theirs. But, you know, as we see with the Hawks, that hasn't meant much of anything that they're getting theirs. Um, not to, you know, say that those two aren't great players, but I just feel like they've been struggling so much. I mean, they're eighth in the East right now behind the Knicks, <laughs> you know, who would have thought that at right. the beginning of the season? Um, and then right. now the Wizards are right there on them. I mean, that's that's <laughs> confusing yeah. me as as a person. I mean, this is a Wizards podcast. I can't tell you, uh, you know, two, three weeks ago, we were talking about this team possibly getting Victor Webb and Yama and, with the first overall pick. And now they're number nine. And the, I mean, the Hawks said false. I mean that that that's kind of disappointing, but you know we were talking <laughs> about the teams that that impressed us or the players that impressed us. I mean, who who are some of the other guys too on your end? Well, a team. Well, one of the players that's impressed me, and we already talked about him, Jalen Brunson. I mean, honestly, when he had that stretch of play in, in you know the playoffs last year for the Mavericks, I was thinking, okay, maybe he's playing this way to get the contract or. Maybe it's just because they don't have any other ball handlers besides Luca is why he's doing this. But no, he's shown he can be the lead guard for a good team. And he's just hit clutch baskets, made clutch plays. I mean, the other night he took a charge from uh Anthony Davis to send the game in overtime, which was a, an excellent defensive play. And then, you know, he's he's done other things with uh, you know the intangibles of taking the ball in the basket, finishing in the lane for a guy that is under six foot tall. So, you know, I don't care if anybody lists him as six one. He's under six foot tall. There's no way he's six foot tall. But um just uh, he's been very, very impressive to me. And he's been he's been somebody I've been keeping my eye on to see how he did in New York as well. So that that's my guy right there, I would say. Yeah, and I'll throw out a team too. Um, you know, I mean it shouldn't come as a surprise, but the Celtics, I mean, they've been it, they came back out with a mission. And I kind of this Tatum getting beaten up by the Warriors kind of reminds me of like when Mike got beat up by the Pistons back in the day. You know, Mike went into the offseason, you know, got bigger, got stronger, fully shaved his head. Um, he didn't have the uh he didn't have, you know, the 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 George Jefferson look anymore. He just completely <laughs> shaved his head ball and he went back out to work. But with Tatum, it seems like, you know, he's kind of gotten that, hey, I got to go back out and work. I got to go back out and do my thing and, you know, put this team on my back. But then the other thing, too, is Jalen Brown is is playing the Scottie Pippen role even better than Scottie Pippen, maybe. I mean, he's he's doing a very good job of scoring, you know, getting his buckets, finding his, uh, you know, spots and not doing it outside of the flow of the game. And so between those two, those two guys very much impressed me. I mean, they've been, they were a team last year at the middle of the season, kind of around this time last season, where, 
you weren't sure whether or not they had, I mean, they had the right thing going. People are talking about it's a possibility that Jalen Brown could go. And now you look a year later and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum look as great as ever. And I would never break this duo up if I, if I, if it was up to me, unless Jalen, Jalen Brown has to be the guy to say, I want to be gone, you know, for this right. to not stay the way that it is. But I mean, he could be a number one option on, on a different team, the way he's been playing. But I think that him and Jason Tatum, I mean, this is one of the best, you know, wing combos that we've seen in a very long time, you know, with, with two guys that are about six foot seven and just being able to slash three level scoring. I really like the way that they're playing defense as well. Then the Celtics have Robert Williams back. Um, it's, it's been good to see him healthy. Um, I'm not, like I said, I, if, if people have listened to this show, they know that I'm not a Boston fan at all. I cannot stand Boston <laughs> sports, but I respect this team because they've done a lot of things that, you know, other teams aren't willing to do. A lot of guys are, you know, giving up shots that they would have gotten on other teams. A lot of guys are playing grittier basketball than they would have had they played on other teams, you know, and, you know, Al Horford's another guy that has stepped up continually throughout his career where I'm like, this is an impressive player because he's decided, Hey, look, second act of my career, I'm going to start shooting three point shots. I'm going to come out here and grab rebounds and, and facilitate for some of these young guys that are out here. Then you have Malcolm Brogdon who came from Indiana and could have easily been a starter somewhere else. I think about another team like what the, the Wizards. I mean, they could have used Malcolm Brogdon badly. Malcolm Brogdon Surely. been a great point guard for them, and they weren't able to scoop him, which I think would have fixed a lot of the problems that they're having now. But um, you know, he's he's sitting on the bench, and he's probably, I mean, he's arguably the best point guard on the team. Um, you know, re- whether or not you want to say like I understand Smart's out there, but. Brogdon run, he controls the offense. He makes sure that everybody's in the right spots and he does what he needs to do. And then you have Grant Williams, who's come along strong too. Um, Peyton Pritchard's still out there. They have a really deep team. I mean, this team is very deep. They do everything that you need them to do. Like I said before, they're gritty. They impress me a lot. So that's that's mm-hmm. just my team that I'm I'm picking. I'm like, yeah, they look like, I mean, they've looked like the finals favorites since day one. They came out firing on all cylinders, and you just got to respect what they've been doing. I, I hate to say it because it's the Celtics, and I know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't like the Celtics, <laughs> neither do I, but they, they're a respectable team. I'll say this, uh, you know, they're definitely playing well. They're playing better defensively than what a lot of people thought they would in terms of Jason Tatum buying in the defensive end and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown always bought in, but Jason Tatum was kind of the guy that people weren't sure could really defend uh, consistently. And then also wasn't, you know, the thing that I also look at with Jason Tatum is he's getting easier shots this year. The thing I always not liked about Jason Tatum is he makes shots harder. He doesn't get easy buckets. Now he's starting to get those easy buckets to make his game easier and smooth out a little bit more. So I, I definitely enjoy that. But I did have a team for you if you wanted to pick a team as well. Of course. Um, um, I would say this, just because of the disarray they started the season with, 
dealing with all these different situations. The Brooklyn Nets. I mean, honestly, the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, you, you didn't think that, you know, some people didn't think Kyrie would be there. And some people thought Kevin Durant couldn't carry the team by himself in certain stretches and the pieces that are there and all those different things. And I'm like, okay, um, they, they still are Kyrie and KD, but I'm just wondering what, you know, the little, uh, you know, the help pieces around them are going to do. And sure enough, the help pieces have stepped up. Nick Claxton stepped up. He's having the best year of his career. He's actually, you know, people were making jokes about him being like uh, real thin and like KD, but he's holding his own in the paint. Um, you've got Royce O'Neal playing the utility man role like he did in Utah. You've got, and you got other different pieces that are stepping in. I mean, TJ Warren, people forgot about him, but, you know, basically he could score and do different things off your bench at six foot eight. So they've got different pieces. They've got different players that are filling different roles. And I think that, you know, Brooklyn kind of got, they've kind of got themselves righted and they've kind of, you know, figured out who they are and who they can be. And one other player, if you don't mind, and I know this team is not doing very well, but I have been a fan of this man ever since I saw him play at Oregon. That would be Mr. Ball Ball. Now, I am glad he is playing this year. He's averaging career highs across the board and you know, he never could fight off the injury bug, but this year he's fought off the injury bug and he's played well and he's made some plays that'll make your jaw drop and just some out outstanding defensive and offensive plays that he's made just, just with the sheer ability that he has to handle the ball with his size. And just, it, it's just incredible to watch. I, I, I watch, I will watch a magic game just to see ball ball play. He's that exciting to me. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, the other thing, too, is, like, being in near D.C. and near Baltimore and all these other, you know, the, we're in the Bullets slash Wizards area, um, and you see, still see Manute Bowl jerseys at, at the games and everything, and then watching his son just do the things that he's doing at this level, I mean, it's impressive, and uh, we always thought when he was at Oregon that this guy was going to be a great player if he could stay on the court. Now he's he's healthy. He's been playing well. Um, you know, they're playing in, like, I mean, the, the Magic are doing some weird things down there. They they have, like, four big lineups and stuff. They got, you know, the two Wagners on the court with, uh, you know, Bull Bull and Paolo Benchero. I mean, it's just they've been – doing some interesting things, which, I mean, it's, sometimes it's worked. I mean, they've been able to beat the Celtics with Bull Bull playing as well as he does. Um, you know, I, I think that's really impressive. He's a guy that, you know, he fits that unicorn mold, right? He's hitting three-pointers. Yes, he he's taking guys off the dribble. He's over seven feet tall. He's doing some things. I'm like, Bull Bull could develop – we all, I mean, a lot of people have thought maybe he could develop into like a Kristaps Porzingis kind of guy. That would not be a, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing for the for the Magic if they could get a healthier version of Kristaps down there in in Orlando with Bull Bull and then having Paolo, you know, play the way he's been playing. Because I look at Paolo, he's one of the most impressive, um, you know, rookies that I've seen in a very long time. Just considering that he just he controls the game at a very high level. And he's not a guy that is a, you know, a big, he, when he, when he first came up in high school, 
I think I want to say he was like six four, six five, and then he mm-hmm. just shoots up the six ten. Everybody thought Paolo was going to be a football player. He was going to be this great quarterback. And when you watch him play basketball, you could see that QB vision that he has, the ability to swing the ball around the open uh, shooters, to be able to, you know, find that lane and run through that lane and then be able to, you know, finish and everything like that, the body control. Those are all things that you see out of a out of a quarterback. But then when you see a six foot ten guy doing it the way that he does it, that's really impressive to me too. So, you know, I'm gonna give give a little bit of love to Paolo Banchero um out there too. Cause I, I think the Magic, their up and coming team, um, in the next couple of years, they'll be very dangerous. If they were to get Victor Webinyama, maybe you don't they don't necessarily need him. I think Scoot Henderson would be the better pick for them if that if it came down to that. But at the right. same time, you know, this team is that's gonna be a fun team in the next couple of years. The Magic, they they've got a they've got a good thing going and they should they should be very excited. And we haven't even talked about we haven't even really talked about Franz. We haven't really talked about Cole Anthony. Um, you know, those guys are hooping too. So a very impressive team. Jonathan Isaac's back healthy. Um, they have a couple other players that just, you know, have stood out to me that can can they can be a cohesive unit in the next couple of seasons. They kind of remind me of, uh, you know, those early Cavs teams with, with LeBron where they were kind of a, you know, mismatch of guys, but it worked because, you know, LeBron made it work. But at the same time, I think this talent level of this team is better just because, you know, you have Franz, you have Bull Bull, mm-hmm. you know, you have Cole Anthony. So I'm, I would be very excited to see that, but, on another note, um, you know, as a as a person that lives in Tennessee but not Memphis, are people in Nashville Grizzlies fans? Like, do people care about the Grizzlies in Nashville? That's that's my big question. I know my fiance lived in Memphis for four years, and Memphis is just a that's a basketball city through and through. But you know, I know you all are two separate cities, and it's like a Baltimore kind of DC thing you guys got going on down there in Memphis and, and Nashville. But, you know, how do you feel about, I mean, how do you feel that Nashville feels about the Grizzlies? Do they care about the Grizzlies at all? Uh, not quite as much as what you would think, to be honest. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot more Memphis that cares about the actual Titans than actually Nashville that cares about Memphis. Because a lot of Nashville fans, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of people from different places here. So, you know, you got fans that like the the Bulls. You got fans that like the Hawks. You got fans that like the 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 Knicks. I mean, you got so many different fans. You got people from Wisconsin here that like the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, there's so many different people that like so many different teams here that, you know, the Grizzlies kind of get left out of that equation. You know, of course, people like them because maybe they see them on TV down here, but other than that, I would say no. There's not a lot of Grizzlies fans in Nashville at all. Well, that, that's interesting because I would probably say the same thing about Wizards fans. Although it wasn't always that way in Baltimore, um, you know, Baltimore used to have a a good amount of Bullets games back in the '80s and '90s, where you know, even though they moved out of Baltimore, they still came and played games in Baltimore from time to time. 
And, you know, because of that, you still had like that cohesive, you know, Baltimore DC fan uh, fandom. I mean, you see that a lot with like the Capitals, for instance. I mean, it's a ton of Capitals fans in Baltimore. I'm not one of them. I'm a Golden Knights fan, as you know, many people around know. But I mean, that I I feel like with Memphis, you know, that's a Memphis team. The Grizzlies are a Memphis team. They feel very when you when you see the bravado that they come out with, that that feels like a Memphis kind of thing. Whereas I feel like Nashville. You all a little bit more laid back in Nashville, it feels like anyway. Um, and I they're not they're not a Tennessee team. Like when I look at the Grizzlies, then that's not a Tennessee team, that's a Memphis team. Um, you know, so that it kind of reminds me of uh, you know, how like the Orioles were back when the Orioles had uh, when it was just the Orioles in in, in the Baltimore DC area and you didn't have the Nets yet. But um right. You know, that brings me to my next topic. Um, you know, you guys have, because you guys are within that region, um, you know, what's the pull that John Morant has? And, you know, what do you personally think about John Morant as a player and how he's kind of influencing some of these younger players out here too? Well, John Morant definitely is, is someone that gets a lot of attention in the national or just in general. To be honest, uh, a lot of things that he does, you know, with the acrobatics and just the different bravado and the different uh, things that the Memphis Grizzlies do, Grizzlies do coming out the games with the dancing and things like that, that captures a lot of attention to the young players. And he's out in the community as well a lot too in Memphis. So, um, you know, I, I would say that you know, watching him is you, you never know what's going to come happen next. You always got to keep watching, and you know, he's going to do something spectacular. You just never know when and how. Uh, unfortunately, in, in college, I, I never got to watch him play because I do cover the Ohio Valley Conference. And Tennessee State is in the Ohio Valley Conference. And I did not get to see him play at Tennessee State, unfortunately, um, as a member of the Murray State Racers. But I will say, you know, he did not start his freshman year. He started his sophomore year. He actually was a bench player and didn't play the point guard spot until his sophomore year, actually. That's a little bit of a uh trivia for people out there that kind of are wondering where Ja came from so yeah but Ja's definitely a great player he's definitely someone that uh, people love to watch and across the state even across the the region and the country of course people are definitely watching and holding their breath to see what he does next you know that's really interesting too because you know that would that would have been cool had you been able to cover Ja during that time because I was actually able to cover a um you know a, a current Grizzlies player as well, Santi Aldama, who is uh, he's coming off the bench now for the Grizzlies, but I didn't think anything of it when they were talking about, oh, he's going to go to the NBA and, you know, he's leaving Loyola um, in Maryland, in Baltimore specifically, and um, you know, I just thought that was cool that that, that mention of the Ohio Valley Conference. You know, we got to get some more mid-major talk. Um, it's a lot of great players in the mid-majors too, so you know, it's cool Definitely. to see guys like Ja, see guys like Steph, you know, so many other players. And then I feel like HBCUs are really taking a huge step forward, too, when it comes to basketball. Um, that's definitely the hope. I want, you know, I want to see them prosper when it when it comes to that, because, you know, my whole life I've been able to watch, you know, Morgan State, Coppin State um, basketball. Bowie State's getting that new arena 
Um, you know, what, what's TC, TSU doing down there, too? Well, TSU, I will give you a fun fact. They had a guy transferred to them from ten, uh, Tennessee Tech named Junior Clay. He's their, uh, one of their starting guards. If he makes all OVC this year, he'll be the first ever player in, in, in OVC history to be a five-time All-OVC player. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that um, – I don't think I've – yeah, I don't think anybody yeah. has done – has anybody – I wonder if anybody's done that in any conference, period. I don't know. I don't know, but he'd be uh he definitely would be making uh making OVC history. And they just won tonight against uh Southern Indiana, so they both in the five and six in the conference. On the men's side and the women actually won tonight too. They came back and beat Southern Indiana tonight too. So they're kinda getting back on the winning trail. So um, you know, it's definitely good to watch. Uh that was Ohio Valley Conference is a little different this year because Murray State and Belmont left to go to the Missouri Valley. So it's a little bit more wide open. I will say that another team to watch for in the Ohio Valley Conference, UT Martin, because uh, Parker Stewart from Indiana transferred back to uh, UT Martin. He's the preseason all OVC player of the year, but they've got a bunch of guys in the six foot four to six foot seven range that can put the ball on the floor and shoot the basketball and are athletic enough to get to the rim. Yeah, that's what I like to see. Definitely like to see. I love mid-major basketball. That's something that, you know, I've been watching since I was a little kid. I've been rooting for the for the smaller teams to, you know, make it in a tournament. You always like those Cinderella teams in a tournament. But, um, you know, it's, it's cool that you get to cover that. And it's a, you know, that's a fun experience, I'm sure, for you. But, you know, what's been... One of the one of your favorite things to cover when it comes to basketball specifically, like what stood out to you? Honestly, the the biggest thing or the best thing is to uh, get to talk to the coach after the game because you know you you get those moments that everyone sees that you put on the video, things like that. But just talking to the coach after the game about different strategies, different things that went on in the game, stuff like that, and just the camaraderie. I mean, covering an HBCU, this is the one thing that I tell a lot of people. It's like you're going to see family every every week, to be honest. Um, I got a different feeling when I went to another place that wasn't the HBCU to cover a game. And then when I went to TSU to cover a game, it was almost like, okay, hey, what you doing? Hey, hey, hey yeah, yeah, you sit right there. Yeah, hey, you need something? Oh, yeah, it's right here. And, like, everybody's there to actually help you, lending out a helping hand. And it was just like a family atmosphere every single time I go to a game, every single time I'm around. And just talking to everyone, everyone's very helpful. Everyone's um, having a good time. And it's just, you know, just a family atmosphere. You feel, like they, you, you feel like you get accepted into a family when you are covering and there at those games because people look out for you. And it's very much appreciated. Yeah, that, that's always a good time. I mean, when I went to COP and, and covered a lot of games there, you know, got to talk with everyone. Um, it was, you know, different because, I mean, if, people know what was going on with uh, Juan Dixon. This was before all this, but, um, you know, it was tough talking to Juan, I, I felt like, but when it came to Morgan State, Morgan State, you know, they'd roll out the red carpet. Kevin Brodus would call me on my personal phone after the game and be like, hey, come to my office, let's go talk, you know, and he would walk me through different things that he did coaching-wise that I'm like, I wouldn't get this kind of access going to, you know, a PWI and covering a game most likely. Or maybe if I got a got to a smaller school, I'd be able to. Like, you know, I will say Mount St. Mary's, they showed me a lot out there in uh, Emmits, Emmitsburg, Maryland. 
um, out in Frederick County. Um, but, you know, you got them. You got UMBC was another school that I felt like they've, they've done a lot um, over the past couple of years. They've shown me the rope. So, you know, when I when I tell these kids that uh, tried to jump into journalism, you know, what do you, what should you cover? Um, they're all like, oh, I want to cover the NBA right off the bat. I want to cover the NFL. Go cover your local mid-major, you know, basketball teams, uh, football teams, uh, whatever, soccer, volleyball, all that stuff. They will give you access. They will allow you to, you know, know things. And, you know, you could use those connections that you have from there. And you could cover high school sports, too, because a lot of these kids are local kids. And, you mm -hmm. know, that that's an enjoyable thing. But, Mike, we got to get going. Um, you know, where can we follow you at and where can we see some of your work? Uh, well, one thing I want to say is uh, definitely a good thing talking about covering uh, high school sports. I actually started covering high school football and basketball, and that's where I kind of grew up up to where I am now. But uh, as far as finding me on uh, social media, you can find me on Twitter at MikePatton82. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-T-O-N-82 on Twitter. Of course, you can find my show touring the AFC South on all listening platforms, which is uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and just wherever generally you listen to any of your podcasts. Of course, this next week, we've got Mr. Warren Moon coming on. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks, the two black quarterbacks starting in the in the Super Bowl this, this year. Man, that's cool. That's cool. Warren Moon, a legend definitely a legend, um, you know, paved the way for a lot of great black quarterbacks that we have now. Uh, definitely cool to have him on your show. That's going to be a great one. We got to, we definitely got to plug that when we, um, when we hear that too. Thank you, Mike. I, I definitely appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, appreciate you outside of the podcast. You know, you always are somebody that's always supported us. So, uh, thank you again for, for joining and, uh, you know, got to get going, but thank you everybody for listening. Another great episode of the Capital Crossover Podcast. You can follow me at Kyle J. Andrews underscore, and you can follow Capital Crossover at the Capital Cross Pod on Twitter. Thank you and have a great one, guys.